Hey, this is Pastor Jeff Workmeister of Elevate Church, and welcome to our podcast. I want to thank you for listening today. I hope this inspires you, encourages you, and builds your faith. Enjoy the podcast. Go with me, uh, Psalms uh, chapter one, and we're going to look at six verses today in uh, Psalms chapter one. Um, so on Mondays, uh, Jess and I, and uh, we, we started this new thing where we go on walks. And I just really love the time that I get to spend uh, with my wife. Our life is very busy and chaotic. And so it's really nice just to be alone. Um, it's quiet. We have a beautiful park uh, by our house. And, um, and we'll go on walks and we'll just talk and we'll kind of like, um, it's kind of like uh, just talking through the weekend, the week, the upcoming week. And it's just really good. And I really, really enjoy it. And um, on Monday, we decided to get dangerous. And there's a walking like path in this park and it goes into the woods. And we're like, let's do it. Today's the day. We're taking the walking path. You know, and I mean, I don't know what kind of wild beasts we're going to encounter in Ohio here. You know, squirrels are pretty crazy there. And so, and, uh, and so you just got it, didn't you? Good for you, Christian. I love you. I love you. But uh, on Monday, we're taking this path, and we get to this place where you can go either way. There's a fork in the road. And uh, we hit it, and like something just kind of went off in, in my soul. And I knew that the Lord wanted to talk about this. Because I feel like the church, our church, but the church, the capital church here in America, we're at a crossroads. As a church, we can make one or two decisions. One road we can take, we can become angered, cynical, and judgmental people. You know, there's this story in the Bible where they catch this woman in the act of adultery. And rightfully so, according to the law, the men, they decide to pick up rocks and, and according to the law, they're going to stone her for her sin. And this is one of these moments where like, this isn't an alleged thing. This isn't something that people were talking about. They actually caught her and they caught her red-handed. And, and they want to stone her. And Jesus comes on the scene with a brand new perspective. Because remember, Jesus only did what the Father showed him to do. And so Jesus says, listen, let the first one who has never sinned be the first one to throw the first rock. And one by one, they leave. And eventually, it's just Jesus and the woman and he looks at this beautiful, precious daughter. Because this is how we have to see people. When, when people are lost, we have to look at them as beautiful sons and daughters of the Most High. That God is desperately wanting to give his grace and his goodness and his love to. And he looks at this daughter and he says, where are your accusers? They're not here anymore. See, I think what is interesting, me and Dr. Ryan, we were talking this week, and I told him this. I said, I said, 
The devil is not trying to hide his agenda anymore. The spirit of the Antichrist is here. It is preparing the earth for what's to come. And the reason he's not hiding anymore is because the devil is the most prideful, arrogant person in human history. Remember, he was the worship leader of heaven. But he decided that he wanted the worship for him. It's all he wants. He wants your worship. He wants the earth to worship him. And that spirit in the earth right now, you can feel it. It's pushing to one world order, one government, controlled by fear, controlled by division, shutting churches down to shut down the voice of the Lord. So what's happened? We've caught the world red-handed. And I feel like the church wants to drag the world out and go, we caught you. And we know what you're doing. And the church is standing there with stones in her hand because we're, we're frustrated or we're angry or we're disappointed with the earth. But I believe Jesus wants to have fresh perspective about this season and time. Don't you want fresh perspective? Don't you want heaven's viewpoint? Don't you want to see like Jesus sees so that we can see people according to the kingdom of God and how much he cares for people? Yes. Amen? Go with me to Psalms chapter 1. Psalms 1 gives us perspective of how we live out this life with Jesus. Verse one, what delight comes to those who follow in God's ways? Let's read that again. What delight comes to those who follow God's ways? We think that delight, joy, happiness, and peace is when the world changes, right? We're talking about situations. We think delight, happiness, joy, peace comes when all of our problems disappear, right? Okay? We're like, when I get out of debt, then I'll be happy, right? When I get that promotion, then I'll be happy. When we go on that trip, then I'll be happy. When my kid gets that scholarship, then I'll be happy. When I meet the love of my life, it's coming at him in Jesus' name. I'm joking. <laughs> no, it is, man. I believe it. But we think, then I'll be happy. But Psalms 1 gives us this very different perspective. It says, delight, joy, happiness comes when? When we follow God's ways. That he has a plan and a direction for our life. What does this mean? It means this, I have to deny my flesh. We have to learn to deny our flesh. It means this, like, I have to learn to run from sexual morality. 
The Bible literally says run from it. It doesn't say like touch it every once in a while, get as close to the line as you possibly can. The word says, I need you to run, run hard from it. Like be fearful of this. The Bible also says like, don't be drunk. And, and listen, I understand drinking is a, is a touchy thing. And I don't drink because I have an addictive personality and the Holy Spirit has spoken to my life and has told me, like, I, I just can't have you go down those paths and those roads and there was some bad stuff in my past. And, and, I, and I get that. But, like, it's real easy to go from one drink to six drinks. And the Bible says, don't be drunk, but be full of the Holy Spirit. Be full of me. Be full of my grace. Be full of my wisdom. Be full of my understanding. The Lord says, give me all your worries, your cares, your anxieties. Put them on me. Humble yourself before me. Why? Because God moves. His grace abounds when we choose to deny ourselves and to live in God's ways. I remember when I was newly married and I'm just going to be completely honest. I was struggling with some sexual things and looking at some things that I shouldn't. And I remember just talking to the Lord about it. And I was like, Lord, what do I do? And I remember he goes, just, just go on walks. And so, you know, it would come like 1130 because isn't it amazing how sin always knows your weakest moment? You know, 1130 would come, midnight would come. And I just said, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to deny myself. And I totally became the creepy guy in the neighborhood that was like walking around the neighborhood at night, okay? You know? Like I'm walking around the neighborhood. I'm praying, talking to myself. I remember one night this like older gentleman like opened the door. And he was like, who are you? I'm like, nobody, I promise. You know what I mean? Like I was so scared. But I remember those walks. Those walks set me free because I would talk to the Lord and the Holy Spirit would grace me and strengthen me and I would go home and I would go to bed and I would wake up the next morning and go, thank God I didn't do something stupid last night. Amen? What does is, what is this verse say? Delight comes when you follow the Lord. We think delight comes through circumstances. Delight comes when you find victory in Jesus. Delight comes when the word of God becomes alive in your own heart. We find delight when God shows himself strong for us. These are moments that no one can take from you because you found victory in Jesus. Let's keep reading that verse, verse one. He won't walk in the steps of the wicked, nor share in the sinner's way, nor be found sitting in the scorner's seat. What does this mean? This means we have to have a running dialogue with the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm going to tell you something, okay? If you ever put me in a group chat on, uh, through text, I'm going to hunt you down, and I'm going to destroy your life, okay? I promise you, okay? Group text chats are from Satan himself, okay? 
There's one happening during first service and my, my wrist is vibrating all service. I'm like, I don't care. But this is a picture of what we need with the Lord. We need this like constant dialogue with the Holy Spirit. We need this constant dialogue with him. We need to be able to let the Holy Spirit reveal things like, hey, you're going down the sinner's path. And I get it. We're all here. We're like, I'm a believer. I'm not a sinner. Yes, you are. I am. You can ask Mac. Come to Sunday night basketball. You'll find out how quick of a sinner Pastor Jeff is, okay? Thank God for, I call him Pastor Mac, keeping Pastor Jeff in line on Sunday nights to the best of his ability. We need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to give us fresh vision. We need the Holy Spirit to take our eyes off of everybody else. Can I get an amen for that? We're so concerned about everybody else's lives. You know what Matthew says? Matthew chapter seven, verse five, it says, hypocrite, first get the log out of your own eye. How many of you know that sometimes the log is so big, you can't even see it? But we're so concerned. We're so concerned about other people's lives. And we need the Holy Spirit to speak to us about our ambitions, our goals, our passions. We need to let the Holy Spirit speak to us about, are my views from the Lord or are my views from culture? Let me show you this picture. So that's a young Pastor Jeff right there, okay? That's like 40, 50 pounds ago, all right? Uh, got some beautiful tips in my hair. I'm, I'm believing they're coming back in Jesus' name, okay? The sideburns, okay? Now, these were my boys. That's said, that's Kim, that's Big D. And I was like 20 years old. I love this picture. You know why I love this picture? Because I grew up in a house that celebrated the kingdom of God. And I was taught in my house in the kingdom of God that God was diverse and that we celebrated everyone. So even at 20 years old, I had this deep-rooted value system that didn't come from the world. Come on, the world is dividing everybody right now. That is, listen, it's not the world, it's Satan. He has one goal, to divide everybody. I remember... 10 years ago, I went to the Hillsong Conference in Australia. And we're there, and we're in worship, and we're singing that song. Remember that song, Mighty to Save? You are mighty to save. You know what I mean? Like You're like, oh, thank God you're not the worship leader of this church, okay? And we're singing Mighty to Save, and I remember I looked down a couple rows, and there's Brian Houston. He's going, God, you are mighty to save. You know what I mean? He's doing his Australian voice, and, oh, gosh. <laughs> Woo! Oh, he's, he was right there, man. And, uh, and we're worshiping, 
I'm worshiping being with 30,000 people from all over the world. And I remember I'm hearing all these different nationalities singing the same song under one name, Jesus. And I looked to heaven and the Lord said, this is what heaven is. This is what heaven is. We have to ask ourselves, are my perspectives culture or are my perspectives the kingdom of God? Because I need the Holy Spirit to give me fresh perspective on the daily. I remember growing up, my mom, she was just negative all the time. You ever met somebody like that? Nah, my mom had a hard life. I mean, really hard life. My dad left when we were three. Um, I'm sorry. She just had a hard life. And um, I remember like being like 19 and I was working at Foot Locker. Can we give it up for Foot Locker, somebody, okay? I was a young little assistant manager at Foot Locker selling socks. I was. I won a, I won a competition. I, I sold the most socks in the nation. Claim to fame, okay? And um, I'm like 19, and like, you know, Foot Locker at 9 a.m., there ain't nobody there at 9 a.m., okay? And my mom would call me, you know, and her world was always falling apart. And, you know, I'm trying to counsel her through stuff at 19. No one ever did enough for her. There was always something wrong. I came to learn she just couldn't see the little victories that God was bringing on the daily. We're so focused on what's wrong. We're so focused on what we don't have or what we don't possess. And we need the Holy Spirit to help us to have fresh eyes. The other day, I, had, uh, I asked my middle son, Ben, he's 11. I told him some things that I needed done in the garage. You know, like one of those dad moments, like hey, you better clean this floor, and you know what I mean? You put this away and you know, do these things. And so I give him like all these tasks, you know, and then the next day I wake up and I get to the garage and he's done everything but one thing, right? Can I get a, like an amen from all the dads? Like where you're just like burning on fire, like, this is the one, the biggest one of all that I told you to take care of. How can you not remember this? And I'm like, I'm like burning. I'm like, man, wait till that kid gets home today. And the Holy Spirit just came with a fresh perspective and said, he's 11. He's a good kid. He loves me. That's what really matters is that he loves me. He's not 40. See, I need the Holy Spirit. I need the Holy Spirit on the daily. I need the Holy Spirit to help me have a fresh perspective about my life. I need the Holy Spirit on the daily to go, man, I'm so thankful for my wife. See, we're always looking at somebody else. We're always comparing. We need the Holy Spirit to give us this fresh vision. Proverbs 
chapter one echoes what Psalms chapter one says. Verse seven, we cross the threshold of true knowledge when we live a obedient, devoted life to God. This is how knowledge comes. True knowledge, true wisdom comes, okay? Stubborn know-it-alls will never stop to do this. Look at your neighbor and say, don't be a know-it-all, okay? Don't be a know-it-all, okay? So we got this amazing youth pastor. Amazing. Christian and Taylor, okay? And I know that a lot of you look at his mullet and think, what's up with the mullet, okay? I want to publicly say I'm in love with his mullet, okay? <laughs> love his mullet, okay? You probably think, man, like, get rid of the mullet. And you're like, no, man, the mullet's speaking to your 14-year-old, okay? <laughs> your 14-year-old's like, man, I love the mullet. Now, because he loves Jesus and he has a mullet, I'm going to grow a mullet and I'm going to love Jesus like him, okay? <laughs> right? So I love, I love Christian and Taylor. I love what they're doing. But I remember when I, when I first uh, met Christian, I remember we had this conversation. How many of you know in life sometimes you have to unlearn some things? Okay? So I pick up Christian. I'm like, we're going to go to Columbus. We're going to spend a day. We're going to talk. And, and me, when, when I walk, I walk at a crazy pace. Yeah, everybody that knows me knows this, okay? Like, like, I have freakish long legs, number one. And then number two, like, I'm on a mission. I got a thousand things to get done, okay? And so I'm like, I'm like probably speed, you know, like the Walmart, Walmart, wall? Whoa, 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 whoa. The mall walkers. You know those people? You see them in the mall and they're like, right? That's me, okay? So I'm walking, and Christian's like my six-year-old, like a mile behind me. I'm like, come on, bro. Like, let's go. And he says this to me. This is what he says to me. He said, when I was growing up, somebody told me, you never change your walk for anybody. I don't know if you've seen Christian walk. Christian walks like this, like he's about to get into a fight. I'm serious. The first time he walked up with me, I was like, we about to do this? So Christian tells me this, okay? And now I'm having a moment where I'm like, Lord, is this the right person? This is the person you say to elevate church? So I get into the car, and I, I mean, I've been dwelling on this for like hours, okay? Like hours, okay? And I'm like, Christian, that's got to be the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. Amen? And I love Christian, love Christian. Just because you learned something growing up doesn't mean that's what the Lord wants for you. Right? There's a bunch of stuff we do because our dads did it or our families did it or our uncles did it. And sometimes the Holy Spirit wants us to unlearn some stuff. You know, unlearn some stuff. 
You know, like, like my uncle, to this day, I'll be on the phone with him, okay? And we'll get to the end of the conversation. You know that awkward moment at the end of the conversation where people don't know what to say, okay? And I'll be like, I love you. And it'll just be silent. <laughs> and it'll be like, yeah, 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 I'll see you later, Jeff, you know what I mean? Just because he did that doesn't mean that I have to. He grew up in a different generation. He grew up with different parents. I look at my boys every single day. Every single day, I look at them in the eyes. Even, even, on, even on days they mess up. And can I just say that to parents? Even on, those are the most important days you can do this. When they mess up, I look at them in the eyes. And I, I promise you, every night ends with, I love you. I'm proud of you. I had to unlearn some stuff. Just because that didn't happen for me in my life doesn't mean I have to reproduce it in my life, right? I let the Holy Spirit lead me. Give me what I need for my family. Verse two. His passion, like our passion, is to remain true to the word I am. What is I am? It is Jesus. To meditate day and night on what is true, the revelation light of him. Let me ask you this. What are you thinking about? What are you thinking about on the daily? You know, are you thinking about your marriage, your kids, the school? You want to know something I've been thinking a lot about? It's like, how am I going to have fun this summer? How many of you just need some fun? You just need fun. I told Jess, like, we're going to get to Florida and we're going to go parasailing. I just need to get up really high in the air and go fast. And just fly like I'm, you know, like a superhero, okay? I just, I need some fun. What are you thinking about? Are you thinking about the pain physically, mentally, emotionally? Are you thinking about, do people like me? Are you thinking about how can I fix him? How can I fix her? How about this? Are you thinking about the monster called the to-do list? I just, I just want to burn my to-do list some days, okay? I just want to burn it. What are we thinking about? Are we thinking about what Jesus said? Because Jesus has very different perspectives. Like Jesus has a perspective of you reap what you sow. What are you sowing into this life? What are you sowing into other people? Are you sowing life into them? Are you sowing joy into them? Are you sowing peace into them? How about this? Jesus talks so much about forgiveness. First service, this wonderful, wonderful woman comes up to me. She's like, man, there's just so much strife in my home. There's so much strife in my family. There's just a lot of strife. And the first thing I asked her, I said, do you need to forgive somebody? And she just started streaming cheers. Forgiveness is so powerful. It releases the power of God. It releases his glory, releases his grace. Do you think about things like love, your neighbor like yourself. This is a different perspective. Look, I'm going to tell you, I am hands down the worst neighbor on the planet. You can ask my beautiful friends, the Wesleys, okay? They've gone to our church from the second week this church existed. They live directly across the street. I mean, I can look into their windows, okay? They will tell you, the workmeisters, are the worst neighbors on the planet, okay? I just go home and I leave, I go home and I leave, I go home and I leave, okay? 
But sometimes the Lord's got to give you a different perspective. So we had these new neighbors move in last summer, young couple, we had this little boy. And like, like I just want to be left alone, okay? Like I go outside to shoot baskets. Michael comes out with me. I, I just, I want to play basketball. I just want to, I want to be left alone. And sure enough, this little boy, this two-year-old little boy, comes to the fence with a big Chuck E. Cheese smile on his face. And he'll bang against the fence. And I'll be like, Lord, you are ruining this whole bad neighbor thing right now. Like, totally. I'm at the store the other day. I see these shoes. And the Lord goes, buy them for the little boy. I'm at the store the other day. see this little Tykes basketball hoop. Lord goes, buy it. Why? Because he loves my neighbors. And sometimes I have to change my perspective. Amen? Amen. Verse 3. He will be standing firm like a flourishing tree planted by God's design. Do you know that God has a design for you? Like he's, he has a blueprint, a design for your life, okay? Deeply rooted in the brooks of bliss, bearing fruit in every season, never dry, never fainting, ever blessed, ever prosperous. So what is the Lord saying? He's saying in every season of life, in good seasons, bad seasons, mundane seasons, sad seasons, joyful seasons, victory seasons, dry seasons, no matter what season of life you are in, the Lord goes, I want you to be fruitful and multiply. And I think this is an injustice because I see this happen, especially in the church all the time, where we go, it's just a really hard season. My question is, well, did God not mean what he said then? Or we'll go, it's just, it just feels like a dry season. Well, did God miswrite what he wanted to say? Because he's saying that in every season, we have this wonderful Wonderful man in our church. His name's Darren. He's at first, he comes to first service. He sits right over there. And in the last nine months, Darren unexpectedly lost his sister. Uh, his mom was diagnosed with cancer. And another family member died in nine months. You know what I love about Darren? Darren shows up every Sunday and none of you would know any of those things that I just said. Every Sunday, Darren is full of life. He's full of peace. He's full of joy. He's working on the welcome team. He's loving people. He's praying for people. He cares about people. Nothing is ever about Darren. It is always about other people. Don't tell me you can't flourish. Don't tell me you can't produce good fruit in every season of life. Matthew chapter 7, verse 15, says this, Beware of false prophets. Beware of them. Beware of the false prophets on news. Can I get an amen from anybody? I don't care what station you listen to, okay? Beware of it. Beware of the false prophets on Instagram. Beware of the false prophets on Twitter. Beware of the false prophets on Facebook. Just because somebody has a bunch of followers 
or they say they're a follower of Jesus doesn't mean they're full of wisdom. Amen? The Holy Spirit is there to help us sift through these moments. It says, beware of false prophets who come designed as harmless sheep, but really are vicious wolves. Verse 16, you can identify them by their fruit. That's by the way they act. By the way they act on the daily. Who you are as a believer, who you are. Listen, the world doesn't need you standing there with a stone telling them they're wrong. Amen? The world needs you there going, how can I help you up? How can I believe in you? How can I pray for you? How can I love you? By the way we act. Can you pick grapes from a thorn brush? Can you pick figs from a thistle? Verse 17, a good tree produces good fruit and a bad tree produces bad fruit. To all the parents in the house, when the Holy Spirit shows you a bad tree in your kid's life, remove it. Oh, I should, I, man, we should be running right now because that is wisdom. I hear this all the time. Well, my kids will be a greater influence. No, they won't. Remove the bad tree. Put good trees around them. Verse 18, a good tree cannot produce bad fruit, but a bad tree cannot produce good fruit. Verse 19, so every tree that doesn't produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Verse 20, yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so can you identify people by their actions. Jesus is telling us, listen, I want you to look different in this world. I need you to look different in this world. I need you to go to work and be somebody that's full of grace. Like, can I just say this? Like, sometimes you guys come into church. Like, this is church, y'all, okay? Like, Sunday morning, you come in here, you look so sad and angry, and no matter what I say, you just look at me like you are the dumbest person in the world. And I'm like, I am trying so hard up here. <laughs> right? And we do this in church. The world doesn't need that. The world needs to see life. Amen? Like the world needs to see joy. They need to see that like, even though we're in this crazy world right now and everything is on fire, you somehow you still have joy. How do you still have joy? How do you still have peace? How are you still kind? Oh, he's good. I love him, he's good. He's all right. The beautiful boys. Every season of life. Listen, I, I, I prospered in my 20s. I was a youth pastor in my 20s. I was a dumb youth pastor in my 20s, okay? I made games called like Death Mountain, and we sent 14 kids to the hospital, okay? But you know what's beautiful about my 20s? We have over 100 kids that were in our youth ministry when I was in my 20s in full-time ministry around the world. One of them, one of them is Brian Houston's personal assistant. 
One of them's a campus pastor at Elevation. Bunch of them work at churches you've never heard of or nor you would you ever care about. In my 30s, God sent us to Pastor Pat at Living Word and we helped to reshape their church and get them on a new trajectory. We started Elevate when I was 35. In my 40s, I'm looking at my 40s, I'm looking at my 50s, and what do I see? Expansion. Expansion. God keeps telling me, this building, listen, guys, 12 months from now, I don't know what we're doing. I'm, I'm being honest with you. I'm just being real. 12 months, I don't know what we're doing, but God's got a plan because he wants to expand. You know why? Because there's people that are hurting that needs this church. They need life. They need joy. They need peace. They need to know the Holy Spirit. They need to know, like, you came into the presence of God today. Like, the presence of God was here in worship. That's life. They need that. Verse 4. Worship team, you can come on up. But how different is it for the wicked? They're like chaff blown away in the wind. The wicked will not endure the day of judgment, for God will not defend them. Nothing they will do will succeed or endure for long. I love this perspective that the Bible gives us because I think we look at people in the world and we're like, man, they don't live for Jesus, especially all the young people. Oh, if you're young in here, look at me right now. I know you're on Instagram. I know you're looking at people in the world and you're thinking they're succeeding and they don't follow Jesus. Well, let me tell you something. There's a little thing called eternity. They might prosper and succeed in this life without the Lord. But this verse clearly tells us it won't last for long. Nothing they will do will succeed and endure for long for they have no part to do in walking in truth. I don't, I don't know your son's name. Uh, yeah, right there, yeah. Mason? Mason, listen, God's got a call in your life. Every time I see you, man, my heart explodes for you. Like, it just comes alive, just alive. And I know that you may not have had, like, this incredible moment with God, but he wants to show you himself. Like, not because your mom and dad go to church. I don't care that your mom and dad go to church at all. I care that you come into a real encounter with Jesus and it comes alive in you. Like Jesus, not church. I'm not talking about church. I'm talking about Jesus. As something comes alive in you because in there, Mason, you will find your identity. You'll find hope. You'll find purpose. You'll find all that you are. And the Lord is reaching out and all he's asking, I can feel it every time I look at you, the Lord goes, come on, Mason, just take a step to me. Just give me a chance. I remember, I remember being 17. I remember being 17, 18 years old and feeling like the Lord was like, just give me a chance. And I remember a good friend of mine named Taka, he looked at me and said, Jeff, just give Jesus six months. Just give him six months. He will prove himself to you. God loves you, Mason. He loves you. And the plans and the purposes that he has for your life are incredible, but he wants to use you to reach people for him. I promise you, he loves you, Mason. He loves you.
question today is this, do you live for today or do you live for eternity? What are you living for? And I understand today matters, okay? Like, I'm real excited like about lunch in about an hour, okay? This is to be real honest with you. But I wanna grow a church that is passionate about eternity. Yes, yes, you can clap for that. We're passionate about what's beyond this life because the Bible says this life is just a vapor, it's here and it's gone. But when we live for eternity, the things that Jesus said, they really matter to us then. Because then we go, you know what? I'm not living for today. I'm not living for popularity. I'm not living for this moment. I'm living for this moment when I'm with Jesus. So what he has to say really matters in my life. When we live for eternity, you know what happens? We're not selfish people anymore. All of a sudden our eyes get off of us. And we go, how can I be a blessing to the kingdom? I remember I prayed a really dangerous prayer when I was about 20 years old. I told the Lord, I said, Lord, pour out my life like water. Because when you pour out water, it just goes wherever. And I said, Lord, I'll go wherever. I'll do whatever, wherever you send me, Jesus, I'll go. I'll go. And you know what he did? He just poured out my life. It's taking me to different states, different cities, different churches, different places. Jesus, I said, God, I just want to be used. I don't want to be selfish. This life isn't about me. It's about you. See, when we live for eternity, all of a sudden, we will love the world correctly. And instead of standing there in judgment, this world doesn't need us to judge it. This world doesn't need us to stand there with a stone and go, we caught you red-handed. Look at your sin. Look at your mistakes. This world needs us to love them. In the greatest way you can love them is through your life. Verse six. But how different is it for the righteous? The Lord embraces their path. This is what's so amazing about the Lord. I don't know if you're there yet, but I am. I'm at this place where like, if I have a couple days and they're just insane days and I don't spend good time in the presence of God, I freak out inside. Because when I spend time with the Lord, He meets me right there in my path. He comes right there in my path. And what does He do? He loves me, He encourages me. I need the encouragement of the Lord. I need the fresh perspective of the Lord. Listen, I can't hold on to what is comfortable. Tuesday, I'm in here and I'm praying and I'm not even thinking about this. And the Lord goes, we're gonna be moving on from this building soon. Now to all of us, we all cheer. We're all like, yeah, awesome, new building. All I'm thinking about is like the stress, the pressure, that I'm gonna go into. And the Lord looked at me, he goes, will you do it? Can I get your yes one more time? Remember when he meets Peter? Remember that he makes breakfast for Peter and the disciples? And he says, Peter, do you love me? I had one of those moments with him the other day where he goes, Jeff, will you do it for me? 
Will you go down this road? Will you go down this season so that more people can find victory? So more people can find me? So more people can be loved? Will you do this for me? See, this is what happens when you live for eternity. This is what happens when you take that judgmental rock and you put it down and you go, how can we be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ in this world? This is what happens when our perspective changes, when we're in the presence of God. Why don't you stand up this morning?